You're listening to Juicy Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Bacigalupo, and in this episode, I'll be talking with Christine Andrews, founder of Acme Coworking in Toronto, in Canada. She's also a part of a consulting group called Deco, working on some really interesting client projects, uh, sort of at the larger scale, uh, some just really interesting dynamics at play with some of the stuff she's working on there. She's part of the Coworking Toronto Alliance, and she will be leading a workshop at Camp Juicy uh, at Juicy USA in Denver in April of this year. Grab your tickets for that. Head over to usa.juicy.co, gcuc.co to learn more about that. And in the meantime, go ahead and tune into this conversation with Christine. She's a wonderful, wonderful friend and supporter of the movement. So she's got a lot of wisdom to share. All this and more in Juicy Podcast, episode 27. Okay, Christine, so great to have you on the program. Thank you for joining me. It's great to be here, Tony. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, so I know you've been in the co-working biz for a little while, but I actually don't know that I fully know the story of how you ended up in this world. So catch me up. How did you end up running the space that you have? And 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 tell me the story. How, how did you end up motivated to head in this direction? Absolutely happy to share that story. Uh, I kind of fell into co-working sort of through the back door. I had worked for a super long time in uh, advertising and marketing and also for the 2010 Winter Olympics. Super collaborative environments, part of teams, a lot of sharing, a lot of collaboration. Um, And I happened to find myself working as an independent consultant from my home office. Um, Couldn't quite figure out why I wasn't as happy as I had been in previous job situations, but the shoe hadn't dropped for me yet. And then I got a call from a client that I'd worked with in the past who owned a really neat building in a kind of hip emerging neighborhood in the West End of downtown Toronto. Um, And I had worked with them a number of years before on their brand, developing their brand and their brand identity, and had brought it to life for them across this building. And they'd had a tenant on the main floor, which was about 10,000 square feet. And this tenant had had to move out because they'd grown. And this client reached out to me and said, hey, you know, it's super raw industrial space. We don't know what to do with it. And can you help us figure it out? Um, and I said, well, sure. But, you know, i got to get back to you because I don't really know the answer. What year was this? This was in 2011. Cool. Yeah, a long time ago. And I hadn't really been thinking about work in any sort of macro way. And so I started to do a little bit of research on trends in work and workplaces, how people were working. And I came across this thing called co-working. And it was like a personal revelation because suddenly I was like, this is where I want to work. This is going to make my personal life so much better. I'm going to be able to be in a collaborative, engaged environment again. Um, so I quickly uh, pulled together a business plan and went back to this client and I said, hey, this is what I think you should do with your space. Uh, and I proposed that we partner on it and that we build a co-working space together. Um, and uh, they were intrigued and interested and they agreed. So we set up down the path and then spent some time in 2012 renovating the space because as I mentioned, it was kind of raw and industrial uh, and opened in uh, June of 2013. Um, and they were my financial partner and provided the backstop and the capital investment. 
uh, put a year of sweat equity into the biz and then also establish the brand and the brand identification. Um, and we were off to the races. Wow, wild, wild, wild. Yeah, that's wild. the Acme origin story, Tony. That's <laughs> beautiful. And you still have that one location in, in Toronto, right? I do actually, I, I expanded a little bit. I took actually, we were so successful after sort of three years of operation that I convinced uh, my financial partner to give me a chunk of their floor, which was the second floor and convert it into additional Acme space. And I've thought a lot about, and I've certainly been approached and people have asked often about opening a second Acme location. But what I ended up doing was I thought, well, let me figure out a way that I can stay engaged in this movement and contribute to this movement, but also grow on a personal level and be challenged. So about two years ago, I sort of set off on a mission to participate in a lot of working conferences, um, both in North America and in Europe, and to start engaging with people in the industry, people like yourself. I think that's probably when we met a couple of years ago. Um, and I realized that rather than open another ACME, a better path for me would be to work with others who are interested in understanding the, the future of work uh, and understanding what co-working was and what it could do for them, whether they were an operator who was struggling or whether they were an asset owner who wanted to get engaged or whatever the case may be. Um, so I found a couple partners, uh, Liz Dillon, maybe you've heard of her, uh, and Benjamin Diet, and uh, we partnered and uh, we formed a consultancy called uh, Deco Group. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So yeah, I was, I was thinking, you know, to have a space for as many years as you have, seven, eight years and not expand or, or go out of business, like to stay put is actually, I, I feel like that's fairly rare. So I imagine you've <laughs> had to resist some opportunities to expand and, and as you're, as you're describing, you know, I think you started to zero in on this idea that you didn't, that your direction that you wanted to go wasn't as a, an operator with a larger footprint, but as a operator in quotes, right? Like in the industry, yeah. somebody who's, who's uh, uh, operating as, a, as an industry expert and as someone who, who's interested in uh, you know, working on other, other projects for other clients. Um, did, you have a, did you have any kind of ups and downs figuring that out? I mean, I know it can be so tempting for a space owner to maintain their boundaries when they find some success and then somebody comes along with a building. Somebody comes along, yeah. with a, Hey, there's a city grant. We should go for it. Blah, blah, blah. Like uh, how did you kind of maintain your boundaries during that time? Well, you know, and I love my space. I love Acme works. I love the community. Uh, I think I will always operate a space because I think it's really important to be that sort of boots on the ground and be able to bring an authenticity to the conversations that you have with the clients. So often I can provide real life examples of things that have worked or that haven't worked. Um, and, and I mean, I just love it when I'm in the Acme space and have the chance to re-engage with the, the community. I mean, that's, those are my people. That's my tribe. So I'm always going to keep uh, on as an, as an operator. And you're right, there've been a lot of opportunities that people have called all the time with buildings and, and want to sort of uh, do a franchise of the Acme brand, so to speak. But one of the other things that I had the opportunity really early on to get involved in was um, an organization called Coworking Toronto. And it's a collaboration of independent 
co-working spaces in Toronto that was started by um, Ashley Proctor, who was the founder of Boundary in Toronto, as well as Creative Blueprint. And shortly after I opened, um, co-working Toronto reached out to me and they said, hey, we see your new space. Why don't you come on board and join the collective? Um, and I did and, and learned so much through the collective, through experienced operators who are ahead of me on the curve, who shared best practice, who supported me on my journey and who were able to kind of talk me off the ledge when I was having a bad time or whatever the case may be or, or point me in the right direction. And then as I became a successful and experienced operator and I started engaging with new spaces or when people started reaching out to me and saying, hey, can you give me an hour or two of your time? I'm thinking about getting into co-working and I'd love to pick your brain. I realized that that was what I really loved. I really enjoyed having the opportunity to, to be a mentor and just share learning uh, and, and kind of find ways to move the industry forward. Um, and so that's what pushed me sort of away from saying, okay, I'm going to continue operating into, I'm going to find a different way. Gotcha. I, I, I get it. I, you know, you know that I do get it because I followed a very similar. <laughs> um, I know. Yeah. So, and in terms of your time and your energy that you've been putting into it so far, um, what is, what, what's kind of the, how do, what's the status? How do you balance that with operating your space? Because I know that's been kind of a, an ongoing challenge for anybody who's trying to act as a, as a consultant and also an operator. Have you, have you kind of found that holy grail of finding the right people to help you run the space so that you can, uh, you know, focus on the consultancy? I was going to say, I have found the Holy Grail, and his name is Ross Anderson, and he's my community manager. Ah, amazing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right, Tony, and it is a balancing act. And, and prior to finding a really solid community manager, you know, there were some struggles, and I did have some tough conversations where my you know, members of my community would reach out and be like, hey, um, you haven't been around this week, and this is what happened in the space, and we're not happy about it. Because uh, I had a previous part-time community manager um, who was great at certain things and not great at other things. And so, you know, it comes back to that conversation that everybody in the industry always has, which is finding an extraordinary community manager is such a, a gift. Um, and this young man uh, came in actually on a temp basis. And then, <laughs> like, within 48 hours, I think every member at ACME had messaged me in Slack and said, this guy is amazing. Um, so he, you know, we work together in partnership. We talk on a daily basis, whether I'm in Toronto or not. Um, I continue to have that engagement with the members. Uh, right now, I would probably say I spend two thirds of my time um, at Acme, even if I'm not 100% working on Acme business when I'm there. I might be working on my consulting business, but I have a physical presence in the Acme space. Um, and a, a third of the time I'm, I'm traveling. It is a balancing act. Gotcha. Okay. And real quick, cause I want to get to the other things. How did you, how'd you find, how'd you find your Holy grail? <laughs> <laughs> like it was sort of one of those best days, worst days scenario. Um, my previous community manager who had mentioned was really having some, some personal struggles. Um, and we can certainly return to a conversation on wellness uh, as <laughs> 
happy to have that conversation as well. But as a, as an individual, uh, as a young 20 something, he was really struggling and it became apparent sort of one day to him, to me and to the community that, that he needed to go and, and take care of himself. Um, and we supported him in his need and in his choice. I was literally getting on a plane the next day for a, to be gone for two weeks, um, traveling in the U.S. and doing work with some U.S.-based clients. So I was fairly borderline hysterical. Um, and I actually reached out to a recruiting firm, but I had just done a whole um, hiring process for a, for a client. And so I had really specific job descriptions and knew specifically what I was looking for. Um, but this guy came in, like I said, as a temp. He was a two-week solution. And I seriously, Tony, just got incredibly lucky because he, he had everything necessary. He's a rock star um, and he's tremendous at his job. But it was kind of just luck that brought him to me. No. All right. Fair, fair enough. Okay. So, um, so now you've, you've gotten yourself into this, uh, enviable position, uh, f- for now. And we know, you know, of course, uh, t- okay. things change over time, but you're, you don't do even, it. don't even speak of it, Tony. Don't even speak of the Everything day. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be great forever. La, 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 la. Um, <laughs> okay. So, uh, I, I, but now you've got this consultancy that you're working on. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that consultancy, the kinds of clients you're working with, and 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 that just that whole story. Sure. Well, um, you know, a lot has been written about the fact that the you know the giant woke up, and I think the giant probably woke up about two years ago, and that is commercial real estate. And suddenly, a lot of asset owners um, kind of became aware of this thing called co-working that they really thought was maybe just a trend and they, they needed to better understand it. Um, so I have had that is sort of one area of focus and I've had the opportunity different um, asset owners have, uh, have approached us both in Canada and in the US uh, and we've had the opportunity to, to work with these guys to help them understand what co-working is and how it can benefit their business. So for example, one client that I work with is a, is a real, um, they do a lot of condominium developments and they're really interested in understanding the role that community can play within a condominium development and how they can create a greater level of connectivity between their tenants in the building and the relationship that they have with the building and the space and the other tenants that are in that building. Um, and I think there's lots of examples of um, you know, residential developers who've done a horrible job who've just taken an empty corner and put some Wi-Fi in and said, hey, look, we offer co-working. Um, but others are really interested in understanding ways that they can differentiate and whether that's creating communal kitchens as part of a co-working space in the condominium development where people living in much smaller condos individually can come together not only to work together in a shared space, but also to gather and eat that was a really interesting project. Um, and then also others who are just looking for ways to understand how co-working fits within their larger portfolio. Um, so we've had a lot of great opportunities with that. Uh, we've also had opportunities to work with um, clients, uh, even overseas, um, work with a client in Nairobi to help him understand his market um, and how he could differentiate his co-working brand and the way to do that 
would be based around a user experience that would grow from a really clearly articulated and differentiated brand. Um, so we do branding work. We will sometimes do feasibility studies. We will help uh, sort of a turnkey working solution where we will work with a, a client to take them right from empty space through to an operating. And we will also partner um, at times to, to operate spaces on behalf of clients. Wow, on behalf of clients. So how, how, yeah. how, does, that, how does that work? I, I know that's like a whole, a whole can of worms, but... That is a whole can of worms. Uh, it, first of all, it requires a really good master service agreement. So you have to have real clarity around what it is that, that you're providing. And, and there's lots of different ways that those deals can go down. And sometimes people can do them as joint ventures and whatever the case may be. Um, we chose uh, in this particular instance to act as a, a, an operator and to sign a master service agreement. And then we just manage the business for them. They acquire the assets. We worked collaboratively in the early stages and they haven't yet opened a space. So maybe you and I should have a conversation uh, in about a year and I can let you know how it worked out. Um, but right now we're working with them to acquire locations, to build a brand, um, and to work on all the layouts of the specific buildings that they're building and what that brand is going to look like and how it's going to come to life in the space. We're making recommendations for them and introducing them to industry partners in terms of operating software, uh, people like Office R&D, backend, people like a census, and security access, um, and then creating, building the space, and then we will work to hire bring your staff on board, do their staffing model, uh, work with somebody, a specialist in the area of staffing, get the training done, and then yours are going to open, and we're responsible for oversight. So yeah, call me in a year, and I'll let you know. Wow, so it's kind of interesting how it comes a little bit full circle. You, you, you <laughs> not wanting to like wanting to prioritize helping other people instead of operating your own space, and now there's a little bit of operating these spaces uh, that's happening uh, to some degree. Um, yeah, but I guess I at a very like high level kind of capacity. Yes, I don't uh, anticipate that I personally will be boots on the ground in any of their. They intend to open close to twenty eight locations. Uh, so I don't anticipate that I'll be boots on the ground in any of them. But yeah, it's at a higher level, again, bringing that expertise as an, as an operator uh, and also with my partners who are both operators or ex-operators and I'm helping to distill that down into the day-to-day -day management. Right, got it. And uh, in terms of working with these asset owners, and when you say asset owners, I mean, we're talking about people who essentially own property, right? Uh, is there another yes. way of, of framing that? I mean, are, are there no. other people that are asset owners? How, how do you, how do you? No, in, in this particular instance, uh, the use of the term is for sure. Uh, companies, organizations, or individuals who own buildings. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so what are you observing about kind of the way the industry is evolving as you're talking to these clients that you have, potential prospects that you're talking to, you know, I, I feel like there's an, there's an interesting thing happening, Christine, and maybe you can um, help me to uh, suss it out a little bit, which is that you've got this large population of asset owners who have been reading about co-working so much that they're now saying, okay, we got to get into this. We got to figure out what's going on with this. Um, and they're at varying degrees of 
interested in the impact that their co-working space has or that their 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 assets have um right some of them are used to just kind of you know lease up a, you know lease out a space is the best rate you can make make as much money as you can and and call it a day and who cares who signs the lease as long as they pay the bills right um, right and to some degree maybe you can kind of do that with co-working but uh it seems like you know if you want a project to be successful, you got to go a couple steps further than that. So um, how do you work with clients? Are, are clients receptive to that? Are they able to kind of understand uh, the, 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 the uniqueness of co-working versus office space rental? And, and uh, you know, are you able to work with them on that? What are you noticing on that front? You know, it's a great question, Tony. And, you know, the answer is some get it and, and some don't. And that is a qualifier that, that we use at the Deco Group determine whether it's somebody that we want to you know, maybe partner with and engage with or even have to be one of our clients is whether they get it or not. Um, because you're right, there's a huge difference between uh, co-working that is built around sort of the core elements of co-working, community, uh, wellness, uh, and the positive aspects, and also just trying to find a way to better maximize revenue on a per square foot basis. And there is no question that there's a lot of guys who, and companies and organizations who do own real estate who look to co-working as a, a more efficient way to generate revenue on a per square foot basis. Um, and there's lots of models that those guys can, can engage and there's lots of um, you know, organizations that they can work with or they can open their own. Um, and those, you know, to a large extent, become a different kind of flexible office. Uh, executive office, or you know, however you want to refer to it, um, but it's not co-working. And in a lot of guys who come from a traditional real estate world, really do struggle um, with the co-working model. But in, you really, they can engage with it on a hypothetical. But I can tell you, rubber hits the road when you start looking at floor plans, <laughs> and they start seeing how much shared space there needs to be. Um, and, you know, you start having the conversations around, they like to refer to it as usable space. And, and you know, we're, we're constantly having to remind some, some clients that it's all usable space. Um, just because it doesn't have a specific office and you can't say, okay, these, you know, 800 square feet have this much revenue attached to it. Because if you don't have space that people are happy in where there's a lot of shared and social and collaborative space and if you're not giving people the ability to work in all different ways if you just have a whole lot of offices and then a little kitchen at the front you're not going to retain people and then the model is not going to be successful in, in the long run so there's no question that's a conversation that, that we have a lot with people who come from the real estate side of things um, you know they they always call everybody tenants and we're always saying no 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 these aren't tenants these are going to be members um, and some get it and some don't. Okay. And so in terms of, I get it and I'm with you on that. And I'm, I, I think the some get it, some don't is kind of the, 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 the harbinger of whether you're going to have a good engagement or whether you should have an engagement or not, uh, or at least what kind of expectations you should set, right. As to what kind of a, a, a approach you need to take. So that makes sense. Um, before we run out of time, I want to ask you about, 
what you're going to be doing at the next Juicy. Uh, I'm actually I'm really excited uh, to be going to Juicy in in Denver in uh, in April, April 15th to the 18th, Tony, and have an opportunity to speak at, at Juicy. Um, and I'm speaking about something that I'm passionate about, which is brand building and brand stories. Um, you know, and even though we've just spent a lot of time talking about, you know, real estate and, and bigger players and, and asset owners, um, you know, I still love and I operate one uh, and I love to work with smaller co-working operators. And sometimes we call those, you know, authentic working space operators. And, and the one-off conversations that I have with a lot of these operators are, you know, how can I differentiate and, um, and I'm up against WeWork and they spend so much and, and, you know, how can I even survive in that environment? And so I want to be able to, to help those types of operators understand the importance. Well, brand story is always important and how a brand story and truly understanding it and building it and doing it in a way that's authentic to you can then push towards a super unique and differentiated user experience that's kind of consistently delivered and that that's the way to differentiate, right? Because everybody now talks about all the same stuff, right? It's shared space, it's flexible, it's convenient, it's affordable. Those are all the category benefits. So helping folks understand how to push beyond those sort of hygiene factors and really start engaging with a truly differentiated user experience. Awesome, that sounds great, Christine. Well, I'm, I'm excited for that. I know, uh, you know, it's going to be great to have you on the uh, stage as an educator. You're going to be able to help a lot of folks who are just getting started or who are trying to get those fundamentals down. I think that's going to be super useful to everyone. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Cool. Well, um, I'm excited to see you in April in, in Denver. Uh, and um, yeah, just to keep me posted on how it goes. In the meantime, I'm excited uh, for everything that you're working on. Thanks, Tony. It was great to talk to you. It always is. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you in Denver as well. Great. And hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for all the support you've uh, given to coworking.org and, uh, and the Visa Project as well. It's been a uh, uh, big help for us over there as well. I'm happy to do it. It's, uh, you know, it's important work um, and everybody kind of has to try to share it. So thank you for taking the lead. There we go. All right. Thanks, Christine. I will see you real soon. All right. Bye-bye, Tony. All right. Bye. So there you have it, your conversation with Christine Andrews, an experienced and poised. Man, I had to say the time just melted away hanging out with Christine. I feel like it was uh, just such a pleasure to hang out and get her wisdom and perspective on things. So as she mentioned, she will be leading a Camp Juicy workshop at the Juicy USA conference in Denver in April. Head over to usa.gcuc.co to book your ticket. Do not do what I have historically done, which is put it off until later, and then you don't get as nearly as good of a flight, and you don't get nearly as good of a ticket price, and you don't get nearly as good of a hotel selection. Just get it done. Book this stuff now. You know you're going to go. It's totally worth it. It's going to save you some money, and then you don't have to worry about it. Then you can just be excited. So go ahead and check that out. Book all the stuff. Feel good about it. Um, and I will see you there. Going to be super exciting. Uh, and that much more, so much more going on. Juicy has membership now, all kinds of benefits there, and uh, other conferences coming down the pipeline. So head over to juicy.co, find out more about all of that stuff. And in the meantime, 
keep doing all the good things that you do to make your cities better, happier, less lonely, less isolated places, and keep being awesome. Bye.